McCartney from Liverpool. <laughs> How'd I do? It's Oof. about as about as bad as Nathan. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, Becca, but is it even worse? Nathan is does a better Paul McCartney than Oh did. no. <laughs> it's me, Paul McCartney from the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on it. I mean, we have seven more weeks of the show, and if things keep going the way they're going, Nathan is never going to be on a single Taylor Swift episode after the first one. So I've got me some time. Uh, there's look. There, that's the spirit. There's looking on the bright side. <laughs> Wait, let's hear you do it, Mr. Jedgy Jedgy over there. Um, you don't have to be an artist to be a critic. <laughs> It's me, Paul McCartney. <laughs> I think that's better. <laughs> just watching you do that, Old I just Beatles. have the image that just like any spit or saliva in your mouth is just sunk under well, that's the, the back key. of your tongue. It's just to just... just <laughs> gagging yourself on your own spit is the... That's oh, what's go- going on all the time for Paul McCartney. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Think Outside the Box Set, the podcast where we learn to appreciate an artist's back catalog, artists that are typically dismissed or unremembered <laughs> forgotten <laughs> these and i'm cameron Wiped dewitt from our memories <laughs> i'm cameron dewitt and i'm nathan hunt no if you were nathan hunt then you would have read the logline instead of me you know i thought it was the best logline that i've ever heard you do and i'm wondering if it's because nathan's not How here dare you you just <laughs> <laughs> You just enjoy messing it up. I will put Nathan's this off here. another week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Nathan's a big is a big boy now. He's a landowner, mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, Rachel, his wife, former guest of the show, and that's why we. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we missed last week's recording, and that's why he's not here to give us that perfect logline this week. So instead, it's just me and you. Did you say your name yet? No. <laughs> this is our lovely guest, our lovely guest host, Rebecca DeWitt. It's me. Also, Ellis DeWitt is here. He's probably going to like, I don't know, shit his pants or something during the recording. And that'll be great. Mostly that'll be so great far, audio. He's just been going. <laughs> so that's mostly just what's on. Well, we make a riveting show here. So... <laughs> I'm sure he's responding to all of that. So, uh, apologies for missing last week. Apologies for having no Nathan. Uh, I know. Apologies for everything that's about to happen. Yeah. Sorry for everything. <laughs> it's a great energy to start the show. I'm really excited about trying to, like, keep it super hot and, and snappy while I'm, like, queuing up uh, sound samples and things like that. Whew. Okay. Uh, keep it together. So this is episode two of season 15, wherein we discuss Tay-Tay. 15, somebody tells you they love... Sorry. No, go on. <laughs> I just uh, 
realized there was some crossover with some songs that are about to come up on this album. The reason Becca is <laughs> on this season it's is... because I have a really good Liverpool accent. <laughs> It's right? because of that. Okay, good. Uh, and uh, less directly because you, you, you're you an expert on Taylor Swift, <laughs> at least in comparison to bird. Nathan and I. <laughs> a taste bird. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we specifically said this before and maybe this is a kind of conversation that like we could have that we could have like a little more candidly since it's just the two of us mm, just um, the two of us and i feel like part of the reason why you are interested in taylor swift and i would love to be corrected if this is not true hmm. i feel like part of the reason you're interested in taylor swift is because uh Getting gendered as a girl and as a woman mm. is something that happened to you um, really intensely, as it does to many American girls and women. Mm. And I feel like Taylor Swift is someone who is singing about that experience and also someone who is kind of underneath that experience. And I feel like there is this like kind of neat liminal space of of like... Oh, is this coming from a self-aware place, or is this coming from a like, just the the weight of our culture's gender is just like crashing down on me, and I don't know what to do? Mm. That's the that's some. I'm not committed to any of that. Those are just like my my feelings about why Taylor Swift might be specifically interesting to you as someone gendered as a girl and a woman. Can you? Yeah. Speak to that. <laughs> I think that that is true. And I also think I was reflecting on this actually just right before the episode started um, on something that's really fascinating to me about Taylor Swift is her longevity as a successful musician. So, you know, last week we talked about her. Um, well, as a successful pop star specifically. So last week yeah. we talked about her debut album, which is she made it at the age of 16, but she moved to Nashville at the age of 14. So from 14 until now, I think she's 31. Um, she's been like incredibly famous and gotten all of this attention. And in that time, she's reinvented herself several times, but every time she's reinvented herself in ways that still are really consistently, uh, very feminine in their trappings, which Mm. is something that I think is pretty different. Like, um, she and Katy Perry have an interesting relationship in general, but I think about Katy Perry specifically and her like, you know, feminine coding for a really long time. And then Katy Perry started, you know, dressing a lot more punk and like cutting her hair and doing a lot more, uh, you know, stuff that's like eschewing some of the really, I don't know, like sort of mainstream feminine presentation. And at one point, not that this is an unfeminine thing to do. I mean, that's what we're discussing. But at one point she kissed a girl and she liked it. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is... A subversive act to do as as another woman or girl. Yeah. Indeed. Um, And I think a lot of other artists that have had a lot of longevity, um, female artists who have had a a lot of longevity in the pop scene have not, uh, yeah, have gone through periods like that or have, I mean, I was also thinking about Pink or Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus really specifically going through, you know, a period where, where she was like, very strongly pushing again, you know, chopping her hair off and really strongly pushing against 
some ideas of how women are supposed to behave in air quotes. Yeah, I don't feel like she's necess- she necessarily ever specifically was like, I'm butch now, or I'm like queer, or I'm masculine. But I feel like sort of what she her subversion of those expectations was like, and this is not my judgment. I think this is like the coding she's going for is I'm a slut now. Like, sure. Uh, or or I'm a sex positive person, which sure. maybe would be a, a better way to put it. But I be specifically i think she's like leaning into like like uh i'm going to be like grossly sexual in front of everyone as part of my art you know sure yeah Yeah. and but i think also some of those like i'm gonna own my own narrative around my sexuality and i mean I, i think taylor swift has still even as much as she's grown she's still stayed very um i don't really know what coding to use around it like very sort of heteronormative very like relatively tame in the way that she's talked about her own sexuality and the way that she's talked about relationships Yeah, does Taylor with men. Swift fuck? She does. She does. <laughs> does she yeah. talk about that in her songs? She does. Yeah, the song that comes up most notably for me is a song on Red, so we'll get to that in two albums from now, but there's a song where she... Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the song that I was just singing, actually, before the episode started, um, where she's talking about... There's a line in it, I'll do anything you say if you say it with your hands. Okay. Is that pretty? It's a pretty sexy line. Break that down for me. (laughs) (laughs) Show me on this doll where Taylor Swift aroused you. (laughs) Oh, he didn't like that joke. Too too mature. Too mature of a joke for the baby. Yeah. Hmm. Nursing time. (laughs) All right. Uh, (laughs) Cool. I wanted to bring that up because, like, what you said in the first episode, I think I I want that to be the main thing that like you're contributing, which is you're you're a, a master of business and marketing. <laughs> you have the paper to prove it. I do. And, and you want to talk about Taylor Swift as a business person. Like um but I am really specifically I am interested in your like emotional relationship as uh, as a woman with Taylor Swift, who seems to have this like, yeah, who, like like kind of like you said, really clings to a lot of these. She doesn't explore the space of gender. I feel like as much as like a Katy Perry or a Miley Cyrus. And yeah, I think something that I've thought about as I've been, you know, as I've like matured in my relationship with gender and in my relationship with cultural narratives around uh, romance and gender and what it means to be a woman in our culture is <clears throat> sometimes it really specifically feels good to step outside of those narratives and to push against them. But also there's this reality that those narratives still have like emotional resonance and emotional attachment for me, even if I don't respect them or even if I don't like it. And I feel like Taylor yep. Swift has often been a place that I've gone. Uh, I, I feel like I've been having this conversation with a lot of friends recently about sort of breaking up with cultural ideas of romance. Like there's this sense of like, kind of like grieving and getting over them and being like, they were bad for me, but Oh, they felt so good. And like, yeah. I thought they were going to be hopeful for me, but then they were like, it's, it feels like a breakup. And Would you I think, say, that you kissed dating goodbye. <laughs> I would vehemently not say that. <laughs> I would not. 
not. Check the that. learning links for more details. And no, about... don't you dare. Don't you dare promote Joshua Harris. I'll put a link about him half apologizing about the way that he ruined a generation of uh, evangelical teens. Great. Okay. But I think Taylor Swift has often been a place that I've gone to when I need to explore these feelings that I still feel connected to, even though I don't want to. It's like a part of myself that I'm like, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to idealize romance or even sort of infantilize romance. Like, I think she's, we'll we'll look at that on this album, but I think she's really wrestled with her own ideas about romance and the amount of hope that she feels in the idea of a man. Yeah, it's kind of rough to listen to. (laughs) It's rough to listen to and unfortunately relatable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a child at the door? Knock, and the door will be opened. <laughs> Actually, you got to open it. Though, this is going to be a great episode. On your own. <laughs> the thing is, you got to open your own door. What, what There's I, no one on the other what side. What I really can't wait for is the is editing it. Yeah, it's going to be great. Ants are coming into this. Ants are coming into this. So you went and found candy. No, I got it for him. Oh, okay, ants are coming into the the. I don't see any ants in there. There was some. Must have crawled out through the hole. All right, can you uh, keep watching your show, Ben? Just pick out the ants. Ants are coming into this. Is that the name of the episode? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ants are coming into the episode. God, what were we talking about? We were talking about Taylor Swift's ideas of femininity and the hope hope of a man, which I think is a strong cultural narrative for young women in our country, or at least was at a time. I think this is relatable to me in that even though these days I in in some settings just really enjoy they them pronouns and not identifying as a man um doing that code switching in certain safe queer spaces uh i i still find myself like there there is a part of me that wants to engage in like masculine power fantasies not specifically sexual but not not that um but you know like i love marvel superhero movies Mm. And I love them in ways that are traditionally masculine. And I like wrestle with that. And I don't always love that. Yeah. You know, like, like Iron Man fucking sucks. Like he's awful. (laughs) He's like. It's pretty terrible. Yeah. He's like a billionaire, which means he's bad. (laughs) He hoards wealth that he's inherited and didn't earn. And, uh, he's, you know, he's like an arms dealer and, uh, he's like a, I don't know, a technocrat. He's just like a bad guy and kind of a fascist but like i don't know i really like those movies and i like that character and i I don't feel like that's that different from you having a complicated but ultimately like enjoying really you know like you enjoy listening to taylor swift and thinking about taylor swift i think at the end of the day you don't overcome parts of yourself by like cutting them out with an exacto knife you overcome parts of yourself by like understanding them and having compassion for them and understanding what core need they're meeting so that you can get it met in healthier and more sustainable ways and i feel like that's a big part of my relationship with taylor swift is like oof, i need to there's something here for me and i wish there wasn't but there's something resonant and i need to kind of understand that so i can like move beyond it nathan i feel like you're in danger of getting replaced <laughs> becca's saying things that are smarter than the things that you say <laughs> This is a quick note to Nathan, my dear co-host. Oh, uh, quick, I'll bring in my Liverpool accent. <laughs> bring it back down. Oh, man, she's coming for the throne. <laughs> back down to Liverpool. <laughs> should we start listening to songs? Uh, we should, can we do some, couple, I got a couple jokes. Oh, you got some backgrounds? 
You know, I love me some context. I just is nummy nummy context. Oh, nope. Open my calendar instead of my notes. Um, are you ready? Yeah. Are you ready for it? That's a that's a reputation. <laughs> that's from reputation. No spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. All right. So the album that we're listening to today, which I think we've neglected to say so far, is called Fearless. Oh yeah. Um. So there's a lot, as with every Taylor Swift, Swift album, I'm beginning to suspect there's like a lot of record breaking and a lot of firsts. So get ready for it. First record producing credit on this album. She writes eight of the 13 songs on this album by herself without co-writing credits, oh, which wow. is a dramatic increase over the last one. There's only like, what, two or three in the last one? That, that she were... wrote all by herself. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, she collaborated with Colby Calais on this album. She heard uh, Colby Calais' uh, first album, which I think was called Coco, maybe? Anyway, and she was interested in Colby Clay, so she reached out to her, and they yeah. do some co-writing on this album together. She won, she was nominated for Colby eight- Clay makes her smile, and she wants her to stay for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was nominated for eight Grammys for the album and won four. She, ooh, this is fun. We're going to do a trivia question. She won the, she was the youngest art, artist ever to win the Album of the Year Award. And she held it for 11 years until, can you guess, what artist superseded her as the youngest artist to win the award recently? Taylor Swift held it for 11 years. Billie Eilish? Absolutely. Yeah. Billie Eilish in 2010 became at 18 the youngest person to win nice. that award. Yes. She also won, she was also the youngest person, Taylor was, to win the Country Music Association Award for this album, and she won two American Music Awards. Uh, She also won a VMA, but we'll talk about that a little more later on. Yep, that's it. Those are all of the big things that I have to say about this album. Um, And she also won, she had her first international hit with Love Story, which we'll talk about when we hit that point. Um, She broke a whole bunch of country music records with that it was the best-selling country music song ever it's really interesting because this well i guess this album is still the songwriting itself feels not country and very not pandering but the arrangements i mean there's basically mandolin in every track there's banjo in a lot there's fiddle in a decent amount of them but that's really the only kind. Oh, and then and then she occasionally does something that seems vaguely country in her vocal affectation. But it's not. It's it also could be like Californian. You know, it it's sort of like, it's sort of hard to pin down what exactly she's trying to do. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, mostly this doesn't to me does not feel like a country album in the way that the last one felt like. Oh yeah, this is a pop country album. She only talks about jeans once. I was so going to say that. I was counting. I don't think she uses the word daddy at all, which I'm a big fan of. Big fan. Daddy. Big fan of clearing that out. Uh, yeah, I think she technically doesn't like come out as not a country music artist until after her third album. Yeah. But I, this definitely already feels like a pretty big, like she's wiggling pretty far away from, from country music. Yeah. She's exploring the space. I, I think when she mentions the jeans, I don't even think she says that they're old. They're not even old jeans. My She's brand, buying new jeans. My brand new jeans. <laughs> <laughs> my stiff. <laughs> they might even Not be slim fit, denim. y'all. <laughs> Way off brand. <laughs> Any other background? 
That's it. Details? Okay. Those are all the, oh, well, I think the one other thing to mention, just because I'm personally interested in, this is also, well, two more things. This is also produced with, it's co-produced with Nathan Chapman. Ah, yes. Who we talked about being this, you know, person who she, against all odds, sort of plucked from the bunch as a pretty novice producer with her first album, and she sticks with him in her second album. Also, she recorded 75 songs with Nathan Chapman in mm. preparation for this album and then picked 13. She really oh. likes the number 13, but she just had like produced a huge volume of albums. She mo- she wrote most of the songs for this album while touring for her first album. Yeah. And produced enough content that I think some of the songs from that first tour also ended up on her third album. Huh. So she was just lonely and on the road and just tons and tons of writing songs. Well, I know there's some sort of like super ultra deluxe edition mm. of this album on Spotify that came out recently and I wonder if that has 75 songs on uh, 75 it. songs. <laughs> Maybe well, some of them say Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. Uh, all right. So let's uh, get started with the uh, the titular song. Titular. Fearless. Less. <laughs> I'm a little unfinished over here. I <laughs> uh, gotta keep those 14 seconds. <laughs> Fair use, you know. Is she fearful or fearless? It's really important that I know. Uh, yeah, so, well, do you want to synopsize this song? Yeah, this song is about the early stages of a relationship when everything's just all fun and exciting and, you know, just dive in head first. Fearless. That's really all I have to say about it. It's a, it's a fictitious romantic relationship she's imagining where everything is very ideal and idyllic. What did you think about the language of you take my hand and drag me headfirst fearless? Was that like a little upsetting to you? It was not. But now it is. I don't <laughs> like the language of like a man dragging a woman. Yes. Yep. It's not great. There's a scene in uh, epi- in the fifth episode of uh, Haunting of Bly Manor that I watched last night uh, where a scary faceless uh, ghost lady drags a man uh, down a hallway oh God. <laughs> while strangling him. Oh, God. It's Terrible. amazing. And that's kind of what I was thinking about when I, <laughs> when I heard this. <laughs> uh, spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, I kind of like, I feel like there's a little bit of horniness in this song. Sure. Speaking of whether or not Taylor Swift fucks. Yeah. Uh, I have a sample, a horny sample. (laughs) (laughs) Here it is. So, you know, she's not talking about, like, his butt or something. But I <laughs> I feel like this is... Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Can you... <laughs> we need a list of all of, the, all of the parts of the body that are sexual so that we can later on map her, her, her journey. So the hair is not, but the butt is. In out list. Yeah. Uh, what else? There's the, um, the weenus. <laughs> How about the belly button? The is belly the belly button? button on the list or no? Thinking about where you got your food when you were in your mama's belly. (laughs) 
<laughs> Where's that umbilical? Uh, Fearless. I may just not have noticed, but I feel like, you know, the first album was very romantic, but it was very focused on the experience of romance and the fantasy of it. I feel like this, I don't remember any songs in the first album having this kind of sort of like objectification. And I mean that, I don't think in a pejorative sense, but in, you know, she's, she's seeing this man and like coveting him. Because she thinks he's, like, attractive. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember it really that being in the first album. Maybe because, you know, she's, like, 12 when she wrote one of, one of the songs and, like, 13, 14 when she wrote a lot of them. But, uh, yeah, so it's, like, not overtly sexual, but, you know. Um, but you're just so cool. Run your hands through your hair absentmindedly making me want you. I want to put, put, a, put a pin in that. I thought that was notable. Yeah, I think that's an interesting observation. A couple things stand out to me. She's she's 18 when this album comes out. And in general, I feel like she's running like two years behind maturity-wise. Like in her last album, she was 16. And I felt like it was very like freshman year of high school. There's even some songs about freshman year of high school in this one. But this song feels like it's like 16, 17-year-old content. Something else that's interesting is in one of the notes that I was reading up on this album, she talks about not having kissed a guy in two years when she's writing all of these songs. She's yeah. like dating people, but she's just on the road, solid, touring and performing. Just hand stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no kisses on the mouth. No kisses on the mouth. Um, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, this what you're you know, she's like, the, what you're saying, she's sort of describing this like very removed, very personal experience of observing somebody else's body, which it actually sounds like is what's happening. And also, a lot of these songs are not about real people. In the first album, a lot of her love songs were literally yeah, about, about actual people. Devin or whatever. <laughs> Drew. Drew. Drew, Drew, and more Drew. Um, whereas this song isn't about anyone. It's yeah. just a, she's just sort of imagining. It's something I want to keep an eye out for because I've been thinking a lot about, uh, gender roles in terms of like attraction and who gets to mm. be the objectifier and who gets to be the object. Yeah. And I feel like it's sort of like a subversive act for women to say to objectify a man. And sometimes it can be gross and problematic as well, sure. but like just for her to position herself in like, "Oh, this man is attractive and and I want him." Cuz I feel like in the first album it was a lot more like I am the one being swept up in all of the romance and sort of like, I don't know. I, th- I I felt like she was positioning herself as as the desired thing as opposed to the one who desires. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I have the thing that I am looking for and waiting for is like who gets to take action because I feel like there is a history of women being like, they're supposed to be observers. They're supposed to, like, cultivate their feelings yeah. but hold them to themselves. And this question of, like, who gets to act on romance? Who gets to drive romance forward? Yeah. Uh, she definitely isn't doing that in this album. That's a good point. And I think it takes a while until she does. And I think even so, um, we'll have to see as she gets into some of her later albums. I think she still mostly is being the, the responder um, in romantic relationships, at least narratively. One more thing I wanted to point out about the song uh, is she just doesn't rhyme a bunch. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting uh, because I think it's 
it's difficult to set up a song where you don't have to rhyme Mm -hmm. because it means that you're making a rhythmic structure that doesn't make you feel like you have to go da 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 ice da 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 nice or whatever yeah um it means that like her phrases are rhythmically dynamic enough that they're not just setting up and knocking down these rhyme schemes Mm -hmm. uh so here's uh here's an example of that Drive slow so we run out of road in this one horse town. I want to stay right here in this passenger seat. Uh, so, so baby, drive slow till we run out of road in this one horse town. I want to stay right here. Mm-hmm. There's no rhymes there, slow and road. There's internal rhymes, yeah. Uh, and then passenger passenger seat you put your eyes on me mm-hmm. in this moment now capture it remember it yeah so there's like some internal rhyme it's not yeah. there's just not really a rhyme scheme yeah there's rhyming for the sake of putting together lyrics and having it sound nice but she's not beholden to some sort of scheme i think that's interesting that is interesting especially yeah. because she's like yeah like a a pop songwriter but she's doing things formally that i, th- I think are interesting hmm. Do you have the list up of uh, the writing credits? Is she... I think she's a sole writer on this one, but let's look. Actually, I think Rose... Yeah, Liz Rose and uh, Hillary Lindsay are also on this one. She wrote... My memory is that she wrote the first um, stand, like the first verse, and then she called Liz up and was like, I don't know what to do with this, and then they wrote it, the rest of it together. Gotcha. Well, uh, I think we should probably move on. Mm, let's do it. All right. Here is... Leave it. Yeah, you cut it <laughs> off there. Oof. Yeah. Uh, you're saying that this song reminded you of some other song. Yeah, it reminds me of... I wrote it down... Uh, John on Jurassic's song 100 Years 15 There's Still Time For You Oh, 15 There's Still Time For You mm-hmm. Doesn't he sing it like that? He does that it? That's it That's the one I'm not even going to put his sound sample Because <laughs> oh. I did such a good job uh, Now you're back in? Great. I'm back in, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> Okay, great um, uh, 15 This is her and her outsider narrative Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is the thing that I believe you said we will continue to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. She describes herself a lot that way, especially in high school, but she it kind of continues to plague her even like, I feel like even on up into her 20s and 30s, this feeling that she's like not the cool kid. Um, and she wrote this song for her best friend, Abigail, about their freshman year of high school. Is this Is this the one where... She says she that Abigail gave a, gave a boy her everything oh, or whatever. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. I think I might have a sound sample. I have a sound sample here that says that's a big yikes from me, dog. <laughs> and I'm I'm sure that's what it is. So yeah. let me play that. Oh no, that's actually about wanting the attention of senior boys. 
Uh-huh. Did Wanting you, to be objectified. Was there a lot of senior boy, freshman girl relationships, like, in your circle in high school? Not in my circle, but I would say that I definitely feel aware, like, I feel aware of that when I think back of this idea that, that uh, senior boys were especially interested in freshman girls, and that if you got to date a senior boy, that was, like, the coolest wow, thing really? to do. Yeah. That's so bizarre. I don't biz- like it. That's so I'm not bizarre. happy about it, but I think that was true, yeah. I... I only remember one of my friends in freshman year who was a girl dating a senior boy and thinking, this is, this is, it feels a little icky to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember other people also being like, it's not great. It's not terrible, but why, <laughs> why is this happening? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying she shouldn't write that. It's, I mean, I guess what you're saying is that it's a thing. <laughs> And she's talking about the experience of being 15 and wanting to be objectified by senior boys. Yeah, it's a little cringeworthy. I think, I think especially because she's sort of, she's fantasizing about being objectified and like publicly hit on by men, which is a pretty uncomfortable part of the, I think, toxic narratives about how women should want to be treated and what it means to have like value and security as a woman in society. It's like, oh yeah, if you're being publicly objectified, that means you're safe. Yeah. That means you're like valuable. Which is a pretty shitty narrative that exists. <laughs> As you were saying that, I was like, I should probably take a turn holding the baby. Because <laughs> I was starting to feel guilty. But then it occurred to me that uh, I'm taking care of our other baby, which is all of the cues and <laughs> and making all the marks and notes and stuff. Is that our other baby? Yeah. Did we right decide now. to adopt that? <laughs> How many babies do we have? I have a question. I would say it's a fetus right now. We'll see if it comes to term. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Uh, okay, so what was the lyric we were actually looking for, though? And Abigail gave everything she had to a boy who changed his mind, and we both cried. Do you think she asked permission from Abigail to say that (laughs) about her? That's a great question. I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine that you would publish a song on an album about your best friend and not mention it to them. Yeah, if they're still best friends. She posts a song about Joe Jonas. Cute, cute, cute young man, Joe Jonas. <laughs> Without his permission. That's true, but he broke her heart, so it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, I think there was... Oh, yeah, there's there's a nice, like, little rhyme here. Car and you feel like flying And your mom is waiting I think that fly in and night ends is a really cool rhyme. Hmm. I think it's really clever. It kind of reminds me of, we've been watching Steven Universe a lot. Uh, We talked about it last week in What's in the Box Weekly, which is our secret bonus podcast. What's in the box? (laughs) This week we're just doing all the sound What's in the fucking box? With our voices. And uh, yeah, we were talking a little bit about Steven Universe because we've been binging it lately and uh one of the things i really like about the show is all the music and the theme song it goes that's why the people of this world believe in garnet amethyst and pearl and steven (laughs) and the like rhyming (laughs) uh world believe in with pearl and steven 
It's fucking great. It is great. It's delicious. It's like Eminem yeah. levels of uh, of rhyming, and uh, you know, for all his faults, including musical faults, I think, and lyrical faults, he's really amazing at doing that. Yeah, and I I just think that's like a really nice rhyme. Flying night ends. It's not a direct rhyme, but I think it's nice. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I something is occurring to me as we're listening to this, which is as I've been thinking about like gender expression and freedom and gender expression, something that I've been talking about a lot with you and something that I've been thinking a lot about is that creating freedom around gender expression doesn't just mean that women get to be um, you know, more quote unquote masculine in their presentation. Yeah. But it also means that women get to be feminine in their in their presentation and have that be meaningful and empowered and not like condescended to. And I think that's something that really comes up for me with Taylor Swift. I'm thinking about her, you know, like when she talks about writing this song, she talks about wanting to be relatable to young women and not wanting to write songs about being lonely on the road because it's not relatable to her. Yeah. And I think there's something she's doing something there with like really engaging with narratives around women and being like, no, like I'm gonna I'm gonna write songs about this because this is who I am and this is what's important to me. And I think there's there's sort of a permission giving there of like um I don't know. I think there are misogynistic reasons why Taylor Swift is sometimes undervalued. And I think yep. she's she's making a conscious decision to engage with narratives about herself and the world in an interesting way. Yeah, I guess there's a there's a tendency to demonize in different ways binary gender expressions. Yeah. Uh, especially the more kind of extreme they are. Yeah. Um, but if you do that, then you're ultimately going to erase the experience of some trans people with binary gender expressions. You know, so there's that. That's like the first kind of red flag. But also, and this is probably more frequent, is that like, yeah, people who are assigned whatever at birth get to express their gender however they want, including in the way that is... socially sort of acceptable or cisnormative if that's what they're feeling and I feel like figuring out where the line is in is this a cultural gender expression that can be redeemed and is good or is this toxic Yeah, and I don't really know but I feel like that's what you're talking about she's being she's deciding to be sort of an avatar of young femininity yeah even though maybe her personal experience isn't, you know, at the time of writing this album, isn't necessarily like, yeah, that it wouldn't be as, as accessible. I feel like the poster child for that is Dolly Parton. Oh, really? Yeah. Dolly Parton talks a lot about growing up and just really wanting to like wear lipstick and just loving makeup and being really excited to like, to do that. And, and she did, you know, like for, I mean, everything I've ever seen from her life and her career, she has really big like, platinum blonde, really heavily curled hair right. and like a lot of lipstick and a lot of makeup. And like, that's always who she wanted to be. And she found a lot of freedom in like expressing herself that way. And I think there is something sort of subversive about that, about saying like, I'm going to be this person because it's who I want to be. Yeah. Not because it's the thing that culture tells me will get me the most value by aligning yeah. the most closely with sort of an, a culturally stamped approved feminine identity and expression and yeah i think she i think she wears her gender identity in like a really empowered way and 
That's a really that's a really great great comparison. Yeah, because she she codes so feminine in certain ways uh, that it's like camp. Yeah, almost. You know, and and literally like she's an icon in like the drag scene because <laughs> because of that over the top like. My curls are like six inches big, you know, totally. like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that it's like fun to wear really bright lipstick and giant boots and to have huge blonde wigs. Like it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason that yeah. people of all of diverse genders are interested in doing that sometimes. And yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, the only other thing I wanted to say about this song is I think that the, that the speaking of like being an avatar of like femininity in our culture the line because when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you you're gonna believe them yeah i think that's like a really smart empathic lyric yeah i think it is too and she kind of picked the perfect age because 15 15 is like right on the cusp of starting to sour wisen up or sharp sharpen in certain ways yeah <laughs> this is I, I i just was caught for a moment just thinking like was anybody telling me they loved me when I was 15? <laughs> Can I specifically <laughs> relate to that? 15-year-old Cameron. I love uh, no, I think I just... I think all the girls I was involved with around the time that I was 15 were just like mean old drama, older drama girls. Mean old drama queens? Yeah. <laughs> that sentence that you almost said. Uh, okay. Um, let's talk about love story. Let's talk about love story. Really? That's 14 seconds? I think so. Wow. It just always feels so short. Maybe Nathan just likes to just, you know, flirt a little bit with e- like e- like illegality. Illegality. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. I think it's I think it I think it's technically we can do more as long as like what we're doing is specifically reviewing it, which is what we're doing. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Hot take, hot take. We're reviewing an album from 2010. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Verdict isn't in yet for Taylor Swift's uh, Fearless album, so we got to review it. What did now, you folks. think about those fourteen <laughs> seconds? <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. Uh, do you like Do you good. like this song? I'm into this song. I remember. So we're starting to like drift into territory of songs that I remember liking when they came out, and um, yeah, I think the the comparison to the her like aligning her personal narrative with the narrative about um, Romeo and Juliet is pretty compelling. And I also remember being really impacted, as a lot of people apparently were, by the by the music video. Just the like, it's sort of like a a like a what is the name? <laughs> it's a, um, a video, <laughs> period piece. Yeah, it's like a period piece, like a Jane Austen. That's mm-hmm. what I was trying to say. It's like a Jane Austen movie mm-hmm. or something. For but not the whole time. There's one. There's one part of the video where the very handsome man is running like through a field up to her manor. Uh-huh. And he has just the most hilariously low cut blouse. <laughs> and it's pretty hot. <laughs> like, you I wish you pointed it out to me at the time. I, I did. I, w- oh, I literally man. went. <gasps> <laughs> and you were busy taking Apparently, your notes. Apparently don't pay any attention to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I tried to make a whole thing out of it. Yeah, it's like way down there. <laughs> deep V. Cool. It's it's a deep, but a soft V. Oh, deep soft V. And there's a frill. V. Oh, wow. Yeah. So complex. That V. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put a link, listeners, in the notes. You can see for yourself. The I deep, guess we will. The deep, the deep, soft, frilly V. If I say that, just every time I say that, does that mean you have to do things? Yeah. We'll also put a link to an interesting article from the 18th century about men's fashion that I think you'll, I'm confident you'll enjoy. I put, I, I saw, I keep track of the learning links <laughs> <laughs> as we go. And the last one that I wrote down just says learning links. I don't know what that was supposed to be. So I guess that's not getting at it. What's about making your own sausage from home? <laughs> God damn it. You know when you're learning about links? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Making your own sausage. All right. This is how the sausage is made, folks. Um, Hey, in this song, she does that thing where she ends it on the first line. And Mm -hmm. for no apparent reason. Like, I don't think it's like a really good form unless the first line makes sense. But she says, oh, 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 oh. Because we were both young when I first saw you. I don't really feel like that's... Oh, I think I know why she does that. Why? I think. I don't know for for sure. For sure. But the music video for this is... The conceit of the music video is that she is walking across a university campus and she sees a young gent and she immediately realizes that they were lovers in a past life like 200 years before. That's what that is? Yeah. Remember oh. the Taylor Swift commentary that we watched where she said that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I might have missed the deep V, but uh, yeah. And then they like go through the whole thing 200 years earlier, and then they come back at the end, and it's just her. Apparently, she's been just awkwardly staring at this man sitting under a tree for just many, many minutes. Yeah, and they start making out. No, they stare deeply into one Don't another's eyes. Kiss- no kissing for two years. I guess we went over that. <laughs> I don't have any more sound samples for this song. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I think something that's kind of interesting and effective about this song in my mind. So this was by far the biggest song of the album. It's her first international hit. It's the best selling country song of all time. That's what you mean by the biggest. Not like the most notes. (laughs) The most seconds. It weighs the most. (laughs) You put it on a scale. It's a very weighty song. Three tons of <laughs> musical girth. <laughs> um, so I think I think one of the reasons oh this baby's getting so talkative, baby, baby. I think one of the reasons that the song is interesting is because it feels like the story that she tells is she doesn't include that many factual details of what's happening. But she includes all of these, uh, just sort of like all of the emotional highlights of a dramatic relationship. So, you know, it starts out, she's at a party, there are ball gowns. He walks up to her and he says, hello, little did I know. So that first, that first verse is like the setup for any romantic comedy, right? Like there are two people and then there's like a meeting and there's romantic chemistry and who knows what's gonna happen. And then she does the chorus. And then it's this whole sneaking out to the garden to see each other. We keep it quiet. So there's this like middle part. And then uh, 
and then the the next section is all about like things being a little bit difficult i got tired of waiting wondering if you were going to ever come around and then the third chorus is about this like him proposing to her right she pretty succinctly just gets all of the most like emotional snapshots of a romantic comedy she sort of does this like outlining of okay if we're gonna make a romantic comedy we're gonna fill in all the details in the middle but like the major emotional moments are they meet and there's chemistry and then oh there's like drama while they're trying to get to know each other and then oh there's some kind of conflict and then like oh it resolves in marriage and i think she's she's doing this thing where she's like parrying like pair pairing pairing that's what that word is she's pairing that sort of here's how you write a romantic comedy summary scenes with this narrative of Romeo and Juliet and I think it's really effective it feels really emotional because even though she's not actually telling the details of her story we've all seen this story like a hundred times in romantic comedies or tragedies or dramedies take your pick so I feel like I'm I don't really like that Mm. what don't you like about it tell me well because there's if it's if it's using a rom-com structure, there isn't actually a meet cute and there's no actual chemistry that you can see. And we don't actually get to like, I feel like what she's doing is she's just saying like, these are some very, con- yeah, this is like, uh, she she's saying that there's drama, but she's not actually showing it at all. And all of the drama is just happening in the emoting of the singing and the arrangement. And yep. yeah, I, I don't care for that. <laughs> you know, I, all I can say for that is I remember listening to the song like freshman year of college and feeling really moved by it, which again, I'm not like arguing for that being high art, but I remember it's almost like this song is really playing off all of the emotional conditioning that I had been given up to that point in my life. It was like, I already knew that story. I'd watched tons of Jane Austen movies. I'd read every book. I like, I mean, I knew this story already, Sure. you know? So all she's doing is she's saying, but like, what if you are like, but what if I am Juliet? And then she's like, remember all these moments from all these movies, you know, it goes like this and then it goes like this and then it goes like this. Have you seen um, Bridget Jones diary? No. Should I? I didn't like it very much, but I think a lot of people really like it. And uh, I'm just bringing it up because it's another movie that, that very much has that. Renee Zellweger? Indeed. And Colin Firth. Um, it very much has that structure as well. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe I just haven't been conditioned to just in- enjoy <laughs> being... Maybe I just sort of need to be coaxed along that journey in order to enjoy that, because I haven't had I haven't been steeped in rom comery as much as you have in Jane Austen. <laughs> Jane Austenery. Just Jane Austenery. Jane Ostentation. Stone Cold Jane Austen. Is that a thing? Is that a joke anyone's made? <laughs> Did you like my joke about Jane Ostentation? I thought that was pretty good. Oh, and I was too busy thinking about my good joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need Nathan here to appreciate our jokes. Did you get my joke? Yeah, I did. It's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. This is good, too. Two comedy points. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, wait. I want to say one more thing about this whole narrative about rom-coms, which is I don't think everyone loves rom-coms, and I don't think everyone should. And I definitely think the more I examine how romantic narratives have or haven't served me, the less I like them and the less they do it for me. Um But I do think Taylor Swift is pretty hardcore bought into the narrative of romance. Like, extremely, extremely hardcore bought into it. And I think over time, one of the things she's processing and having to 
I think she's having to break up with narratives of romance too. And I think she does that over time. I think mm. she has to begin to acknowledge the ways that it's been damaging and not helpful for her. And one yeah. of her progressions in her music is is that, is sort of giving up on some of that and like trying to let those mm. narratives mature. And um, yeah. Have, have you listened to Folklore yet? Not yet. I think cool. I'm going to start soon. I don't want to save it. I mean, I want to listen to it a couple times before cool. we do it together because I, I want some time either. with it. But yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's move on to Hey Steven. Hey and Steven. Hey there, Steven. <laughs> you be good and don't you miss me. Uh, there's a picture of, of Steven in the Genius Lyrics, and he's a cutie. He looks like a little angel. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> he, can't, he can't help it. Yeah. Uh, come feel this magic I've been feeling since I met you. Can't help it if there's no one else. Mm, I can't help myself. Uh, I don't remember what the song's about other than Steven being a little cutie. Yeah, so Steven is part of this duo. Uh, let's see if we can... Yeah. He's part of the Crystal Gems. <laughs> Replaced his mother. He's part of this duo, Love and Theft, that uh, opened oh, for her. Love and For theft. a while on her Fearless tour. I feel like that's a a book about minstrelsy in America. Oh, whoa. I wonder if uh <laughs> I wonder if they stole love and theft from them or not. <laughs> and I wonder if they live up to that title. <laughs> or maybe the I don't know. Anyway, uh yeah, do you have anything to say about the content of the song? I just have like, I don't know, a couple not very serious sound samples I want to do. Sure. I like this song. I think it's just really sweet in tone. It's a very gentle... A lot of her songs are a little bit like, um, you know, give me a tummy ache because they're so intensely romantic. And this song is just sort of sweet. It's just about like having a crush on somebody and sort of fantasizing about them, but fantasizing about them without being like, maybe I'll love this person and then they'll save my entire world, <laughs> which is where I feel like she often goes with her crushes and is kind of stressful. And this one is just her being kind of flirty in her mind about it. Like, hey, um, yeah. you should date me. I'm cool. Thanks, yeah. Steven. You know, come, come feel sweet. this magic. Come feel this magic, Steven. Yeah. And I think the reasons that she's into him are also kind of, it's just, yeah, she's just sort of like passively enjoying someone. I don't know. It's sweet. Like, I think some of her songs, if I was the subject of them, I would feel kind of bad and maybe a little concerned for my safety. (laughs) (laughs) But this song is just nice. It's like flattering. Like, oh, a person is like kind of appreciating who I am from afar. That's nice. Yeah. There's an upcoming song, the, the one about Joe Jonas. And there's this like Ellen interview where Ellen's just asking her questions about about her relationship with joe jonas and about the song and at one point ellen's like well you have like a there's like a a history of of you like driving outside of your like ex's houses and stuff are you gonna do that to him it's just sort of played off for laughs and i was just like it's like really threatening behavior (laughs) like i think that's really strange (laughs) 
It is. I wonder what the subtext is behind that. Because at that point, Taylor's like an 18-year-old person who has been on the road for two years. So, like, what is actually... I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you it, know? it felt very... I mean, I feel like everything that happens on Ellen is very... All the conversations are very, like, contrived. Curated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, these are going to be, like, the beats. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it still kind of gave me the oogies or something. Uh, I have a sound sample here called A Very Real and Candid Laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to hear that? I do. Here it comes. All those other girls, well, they're beautiful, but would they write a song for you? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call a real laugh. Yeah. Do you want to say the thing about the kid snaps? Oh, we can talk about that. Yeah, Yeah. first I wanted to say that she, like, you know, was collaborating with Colby Calais a little bit on this album. And one of the Colby Calais moments that we most famously vilify is there's this line where she's, like, about to start a song. And the music, the, like, the guitar is coming. And she goes, can you count me in? (laughs) And then then starts singing. Just, Just, like... So obviously not candid. What is this? What am I? How am I? What, do you want me to believe this is candid? What's happening? Um, that laugh reminds me of that. Uh, apparently, she was recording the song at a studio, and the person who she was recording with it was at his house, and he was telling her that his kids were there and were really into her music and really wanted to meet her. And um, she was like, "Great, you know, bring them on in." And she played the song for them, and they really loved it. And so then they and Colby Calais and eight people in total got to snap yeah for this song i don't know how many i don't know much about record producing so cameron you know a little more than me you can correct me if i'm wrong seems like you only need one snapper just multiply them snaps here's the snap that's definitely more than one snap yeah and i think the benefit of having multiple snaps um Snaps. Snaps for snaps. Bend and snap. Uh, the the benefit is you get that like that sort of they're they're not all perfectly in time with each other. Sure. And it gets this sort of like little little rip kind of sound. Like it has it's a texture. I think that's kinda nice. Um I I I do not think that those are kid snaps. <laughs> I think snapping is really hard. Um, most people don't like most people who snap, who have snapped, don't even realize that the sound of the snap is their usually middle finger hitting the meat uh, of their where their thumb, like all the thumb muscles are. They don't even like know what's going on. They're just like, oh, and people have shitty snaps. They're yeah. hard to do. Also, people just don't have rhythm in general. Ouch. I I do not think. That those are kid snaps that we're hearing. I think the I think the kids are in the studio. I think their mic was fucking turned off. <laughs> Probably. Can you tell me uh, how how mature do you think the snapper is on this album, Cameron? In your professional opinion, <laughs> I think the snaps sound. I think there's definitely multiple snappers, or at least multiple tracks of the same snapper, and I think it sounds really good because of each one sounds each moment of snapping sounds <laughs> different. It sounds pretty organic, but it sounds good. There's like just enough difference. Give me an age. Oh, how mature? How mature? Yeah. 
I think it's a 50-year-old snapper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> Let's listen again. We got a real mature Let's carbon date snapper these, here. These snaps. <laughs> Man, those really did actually all sound really similar. I wonder if it's just a loop of like one or two snaps. I mean, there are eight people credited. I think it's really funny that Colby Calais is credited as a snapper. Just like, what is that situation? What is that? You know, just like, oh, hey, Colby, I loved like your album. I don't know if you know who I am. I'm Taylor Swift. Um, I'm really needing some more snapping on my upcoming album. Would you? Yes? Oh, thanks. Also, she may not know about Colby's trouble accounting. She wouldn't have asked me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's. I think the reason I'm making a big deal. Of, I mean, I'm playing playing it for laughs. Like, obviously, I don't feel this strongly, but I think there's an element of truth in here. And like, why I'm making a big deal out of this, which is people often downplay the difficulty of heavier quotes simple percussion yes but the frequency ranges of like things like the triangle the triangle um uh, maracas or tambourines etc they're extremely powerful instruments and if you aren't good at them it will make your recording or your performance worse and yeah, that's why I think like I don't think those are real kids kid snappers. I think that's like a professional like studio musician percussionist who's just like, okay, I'm gonna do like a bunch of perfect snaps and then I'm gonna do perfectly out of sync snaps on a second layer and then I'm gonna do it and then we're gonna loop it. I think that's what it we're listening to. So what we're really saying, ladies and gentlemen, is real snapper, wherever you are. <laughs> We hear you. That's off to you. Snaps Don't for you. <laughs> Snaps yeah. for the real snapper. <laughs> I, when I worked at uh, uh, my last job um, with a bunch of uh, kids at like a school rock kind of situation, uh, at one point we went to go sing, the choir went to go sing Imagine for this like kind of B level or C level like pop country star named Doreen Taylor, I think. I'm just outing Doreen Taylor right now, I guess. Anyway, she wanted us to do this, like, super intense, like, arrangement of, like, uh, (laughs) imagine, like, this acapella arrangement. I was like, that's not, we're not going to be able to put that together. Sorry. So I just had them, like, sing, like, basic harmonies and sing the melody and, uh, Anyway, Doreen, Ta- Doreen Taylor uh, just totally just forgot the words and the actual performance. She did a really shitty job. She just was not ready. She was a consummate professional in every other aspect of her performance, but for some reason she just like wasn't ready to do this. The the like touring pianist who was working with her in, on uh, w- would go da 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 that, where that's how it actually is supposed to go, but he would just go da da da. Which takes out like, you know, otherwise without that, that dissonance is just ruined. Anyway, I'm taking too long telling the story. The point of it is 
they totally just turned the kids' mics off when she when they started to sing. Yeah, she's clearly just like using these kids as like a like a a prop. Yeah, you know? totally. It was it was kind of a bummer. Yikes! I mean, it gave bummer. us some level of exposure too, which is the point for us being there too. But on an organizational level, but it's like I fucking rehearsed these kids' asses off. <laughs> I made sure they knew all the words. You're being a terrible example to them. <laughs> All right. That's my call out to Dorian Taylor, the C-level pop star. Uh, I'll uh, hates, put... Hates the kids, folks. Hates the kids. Yeah. Uh, imagine a world where the kids don't get turned off. I have one more thing to, to say about the song, which is... Um, I missed it, too. There was another song that I was going to point this out in. She really likes to talk about uh, dancing and singing and kissing in the rain. She likes the rain. Tay-Tay loves some rain. So she... I can't help it if I want to kiss you in the rain, so... Um, she has another song where she talks about dancing in the rain earlier in this album, which is a recurrent theme, which she realizes in a music video later in her career. Live in La Vida Loca. Uh, yep. The, ta- the famous Taylor Swift song, Live in La Vida Loca. <laughs> I once sang that in, in like a elementary school choir, um, oh but boy. they had to change the lyrics because yeah, we, we couldn't say that like, I like to go dancing naked in the rain. <laughs> They'll make you take your boots off and go dancing in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll catch a cold. We don't want to encourage that behavior. <laughs> <laughs> These are all great bits. We uh, this is like a longer out. It's like fifty three minutes, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, we just uh, I don't know. We've been taking. So much time. Uh, a long time. We have, what is that, fourth song? That's the fourth song, yep. We can't talk about all of these. Done. Well, you know what? The, the beginning of the album is the best part anyway. Okay, The great. last songs, a lot of my notes are like, so forgettable. Still so forgettable. I so. think talking about You Belong With Me and especially talking about the music video is worth it. Mm. And then we'll just sort of play it by ear from there. Mm, mm. Does that sound good to you? Mm. I'm only going to respond with grunts from now on to save mm, time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. I really appreciate that. Looking for has been here the whole time. If you could see that I'm the one who understands you, been here all along. So country, ladies and gentlemen. It does sound more like yeah. pop country than I that I know and yeah. acknowledge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, are you familiar with the the concept of adorableness? Uh, no. So basically. It's this idea that, like, I mean, it's it's. Wait, the, wait, 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 wait! Mm-mm, you skipped White Horse. I know, I did it on purpose. Oh, I'm sorry. You need to talk about White Horse. Well, yes, I do. I'm sorry. I apologize. There are some things we need to talk about about White Horse. All right, fine. Holding on the days drag on, stupid girl. I should have known. I should have known that I'm not a princess. This ain't a fairy tale. This song kind of gets me. I think that line, stupid girl, like her calling herself that kind of like hits me in the chest a little bit. In a good way? In a, in a well, I think in an effective way. I think she's being effective, but I think there's something about the like self-narrative of stupid girl feels like a particularly scathing self-talk thing to say because it's so simple, but it feels very like, uh, I don't know, man. It, it kind of, it gets me. Well, she's... By saying stupid girl, she's saying, like, 
you're being a stupid girl, not you're a girl and you acted stupidly. She's saying like you're living into this this specific archetype of being a naive young woman. Yeah. Which is rough. Yeah, it is rough. It's <laughs> to painful. To, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, this song is actually about a real person. She doesn't say who it's about, but it is actually about a real breakup and finding out that somebody is like cheating on her in some way being kind of shitty. Um which is a definitely recurrent theme on her albums. This is also the fifth song on the album. I never thought I'd meet anybody like him. I feel like he's everything I've ever wanted. There's something you should know about him. Have we talked about what an amazing actress Tay-Tay is? <laughs> Especially early in her career. <laughs> Oof. That's from, that's from the music video. I just wanted to provide some context. <laughs> yep. Um, she's not a great actress. Spoiler at this point, ladies and gentlemen. But Someday she'll get to play um, Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Someday she'll get to play a cat. <laughs> oh shit i forgot about that <laughs> we gotta watch that we do gotta watch that hey we can we can watch that as that'll be the the movie that we never do a review of for, Great. we always promise to review movies that are like tangential to uh, the artists and then we'll never do that one but i always say that we will that sounds great Great. i enjoy pretending to do that with you um but um what something i was gonna say is she uh, there's this this theme of her having like emotionally revealing songs is the fifth track on, oh, on her right. albums. And this is the emotional fifth track. Also, this song was not supposed to be on the album. She was thinking about saving it for her third album because again, she had so much content that she just like didn't need it all on this album. But then one of her favorite TV shows is Grey's Anatomy. And she went to, um, they wanted to meet with her for potential music for the show. And she played this song for them and they fell in love with it. And so it was in Grey's Anatomy, which is why it is on this album. Gotcha. Yeah. And she was real stoked about it because she really, really loves Grey's Anatomy. I never watched Grey's Anatomy. Did you watch that? I tried to start watching it uh, after having Ellis and needing to watch massive amounts of TV to keep me awake and sane in the middle of the night while nursing. Yeah. And I watched a little bit of it, and I just, I kind of just don't like that genre of TV very much. Is it, it trash? me out. I don't know what that means exactly. I just know that, or, like... Or as Forky would say from Toy Story 4, trash. <laughs> yes. That I can consent to. <laughs> now that you've added the inflection, yes, unequivocally. <laughs> Not gonna let you throw yourself away. (laughs) (laughs) And we digress. I don't know if it's trash. I just not, it's just not for me. There's something about watching it that I feel bad after watching it. Who's the hottest, do you think, in that show? Patrick Dempsey? Do you think he's the hottest? Um, I don't know. I watched like three episodes, yo. I don't know. Taylor Swift's voice in White Horse is the hottest Mm. in that show. <laughs> I feel like I'm derailing you a lot because oh, I'm losing. No, steam. not a, not a chance, not a chance. Oh, thanks for making me feel better. Oh, what I meant was, mm, mm. <laughs> uh, I think it's interesting that there's a line in this that says, "This ain't a fairy tale. I'm not a princess," which I think is like pretty funny. Two songs after "Love Story" is the biggest hit on this album. Ah, uh, yeah. Just like whoops. Are you or aren't you? Make up your mind, Tate. You, you don't think that she's trying to like build dramatic irony or whatever, or make like an, a story arc? You think she's just contradicting herself in a non-self-aware way? Uh, no. I mean, I think she's relatively self-aware. I think she's just interacting. I think the narrative of being a princess in the fairy tale romance is very strong. Is the the force is strong with this one? 
And yeah. she, uh, yeah, sometimes she pushes against it and sometimes she... But I think there's something about her, like, the pairing of her calling herself a stupid girl and then saying this ain't a fairy tale and I'm not a princess that feels really painful. It's like the truth is somewhere between... She's oscillating between this, like, totally romanticized, idealized love. Right. And then, like, just feeling super shitty and treated really badly. And I think that theme, it goes it goes through a lot of her songs. Her, like, either really idealizing love or... she oscill- Her oscillations get bigger over time. Eventually, she has a song where she's, like... She compares waking up after this romance to, like, just, like, waking up in this, like, trashed house and looking around and being like, what the hell happened? Like, she... This theme after of kind sex. of oscillating... <laughs> <laughs> this theme. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably uh, this theme of like what oscillating Taylor Fox. <laughs> what? Mm, mm. <laughs> are we or aren't we trying to move quickly? <laughs> Question. <laughs> Question. Um, anything else you want to say, Cameron? <laughs> I just want to give you an opportunity if you wanted to speak or <laughs> share anything. I just scandalized. <laughs> you sure so. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Yes, she oscillates. Here she's oscillating between these two poles, and I think her oscillations get bigger over time. And eventually, I think, I hope, she finds a solid middle in her later two albums. Yeah, instead of just being completely disillusioned or completely illusioned, yeah. just being having a healthy amount of skepticism yeah. in her romance. Yes. I mean, but it's, yeah, I, I'd be really curious to see writing a song with a, help, a healthy amount of skepticism and having it be like a good and interesting song. You she, know what I mean? She writes a song that's on, um, I think it's on the album right before Folklore. And I think it ends uh, the album right before Fol- Folklore. I can't remember what her album before Folklore was, which one that was. I'm spacing. Reputation? New. No. I think there's an album between those two. Okay. Um, where she talks about coming downstairs the morning after New Year's. Hmm. Or, like, on New Year's Day after a New Year's Eve party and cleaning up a whole bunch of junk. Yeah. And she's just like, I, I want to be here doing this with you every New Year's. I want to be cleaning up. It's like a very oh. reflective, mm. kind of, like, somber, a little bit somber song, but it's sort of sweet. It's like, yeah. I want your midnights and I'll be cleaning up bottles with you on New Year's Eve. Gives That's me kind of tingles. Yeah, it's, like, kind of sweet. Nice. It's about, like, making a life with someone and, like, all the sort of mundane moments in between that form intimacy and are actually mm. maybe more what love is about than the like sweep you off your feet moments it's a good one well, well thanks it. for that little teaser now mm. i'm excited tease 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 uh okay should we try to talk about you belong with me again mm, let's so that i can interrupt you talk about white horse some more So Every time, full man. disclosure, when I put these uh, clips in, eventually they're going to be sort of like neatly faded in and faded out. So every time you finish the line, it's actually probably not going to sound very natural. Oh, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, that's fine with okay. me. You want to talk about this? You were about to say something brilliant and clever about... Was it? <laughs> God damn it. Dork adorableness? Oh, adorableness. <laughs> oh, adorable. Oh, adorableness. Yes, yes. It's quite, ba- quite. basically the the end of adorableness is New Girl, Do- Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, yeah. And she's sort of the the platonic ideal of adorableness. You mm-hmm. know, um, sort of 
usually a a woman, a young woman, who is pretty disheveled. Adam Brody's pretty adorable. Just gonna put him in the bidding for okay, great adorableness for males. I think that, I'm just saying the prototype is typically yes, you're fine. Typically a young woman who is like disheveled. It's kind of like a manic pixie dream girl, mm-hmm. someone who just exists to further the uh, the the character development of the men around her because she's so you just get swept up in all her bullshit. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's the idea. But all you gotta love her. Uh-huh. And that's the like kind of the idea. Um, and I f- when did this album come out? 2010. Really? 2008. I'm sorry. A lot of the okay. reading I was doing was about the awards she won in the wake of it. Yeah, it came out in 2008. 2008. Yeah, I feel like that was sort of peak or that's when it was like on the upswing adorableness like i mean zoe deschanel in elf or whatever yeah not that she's super adorable in elf but like no she uh, has blonde hair uh yeah um i mean maybe like garden state you know i mean natalie portman kind of is in that or um, that's earlier than 2008 garden state came out when i was in high school Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Well, anyway, I feel like Taylor in this song, and especially in the music video, is starting to lean into, oh, this is like a way that I can endear myself to my fans by specifically saying, like, I'm not like a cool popular girl or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I wonder if it's part of um, distancing herself from being conventionally beautiful in the way that she is Mm -hmm. tall blonde Mm -hmm. very thin um by saying like well actually i'm a total nerd Mm -hmm. um which i i think is effective like uh i i'm talking about adorableness as a trend in this sort of disparaging way but only in the sense that if you're just saying like oh this is like a zeitgeisty kind of like character archetype or persona then like it, it just means that it's like this easy kind of thing that you can make kind of crude and cynical versions of in media yeah. and um doesn't mean that i don't like it when it's good uh and in the music video for this she's uh she plays a, a like a, a dorky kind of a, a dorky girl with like a junior high t-shirt with like signatures of like her classmates on it like in bed holding up these signs to this boy across uh like in the window across from her um she plays like that character she like plays clarinet in the like pet band uh-huh. and uh yeah she's total total dork she wears dorky glasses which in the end when she goes to the dance with the boy she takes them off and then She's very conventionally attractive without the glasses. At least that's what the what they would have us believe in the in the, sto- the visual storytelling of the music video. What is that movie? She's all that. Is that that? There was some like really classic <sighs> where there's like a an an ugly girl, heavier quote unquote, yeah, 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 ugly girl. But then if she gets a makeover, then yeah, then they like just took her glasses of sudden, off and no one realized. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is funny because. Yeah, maybe it's like pre adorable in the sense that like that's not her, the she blossoms at some point yeah. out of that kind of persona, you know. Anyway, she also plays the the boy's uh, popular like mean girl girlfriend, cheerleader girlfriend. Yeah, 
and that I guess is in the text of the song as well. Um, but ultimately she breaks his heart. And so he like reaches out to her to go to the dance together in the music video. And I think they make out on the dance floor. If I, I think remember there's right. just still a lot of intense eye contact. There's just so much eye contact. I think they kissed. There might be. It's hard to remember. I was probably furiously taking notes at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Furiously taking <laughs> no notes. No glasses. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> Uh, the boy in this, the love interest is played by actor Lucas Till, who was also in a whole bunch of other stuff around this time. Uh, he's in MacGyver. He's also in Hannah Montana, the movie. Oh, this is the song that she men- mentions jeans in, too. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let's check. Let's see if they're old. How old How old them jeans? Jeans. Oh, ah, shit. Never mind. Walking the streets with you and your worn out jeans. But he's wearing the jeans. But he's, he wears the jeans. The worn out <laughs> jeans in this relationship. <laughs> um, this theme that you're talking about of her being kind of nerdy, like a lot of this, there's one, like, I think pretty cute and effective scene in this where she's like singing to herself with her hairbrush uh, in her bedroom and he like peeks out his window and he sees her doing it and he's kind of like charmed by it. And that narrative returns, like there's there's multiple music videos that sort of touch on that narrative. Shake yeah. It Off is, you know, by far the most famous one. She's sort of portraying herself as like seeing all these people who are really, really good at their craft. And she's yeah. just sort of like, I don't know, I'm just like figuring it out. Um, but it also comes back in um, Never Ever Getting Back Together. In mm. that song, she's in her pajamas for most of it and talking on the phone and like there's all this like, but in her bedroom for most of it. So it's sort of a recurrent theme throughout music videos is her portraying herself sort of like nerdy in that way. Yeah, that's really interesting mm. that she's not trying to sell herself as a sexual object unless somehow that is part of it. But it doesn't seem that way. It's like, no, yeah, I'm like the underdog here. And then there's also like Wildest Dreams and Love yeah. Story. And like, you know, she she does that, too. Right. I mean, I think it, I think it totally works. I think she's super charming in this music video, and I was surprised to not feel cynical about that visual storytelling. Totally, and just like, yeah, she's super charming, and she's a big dork. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that something that's interesting about that is this whole idea of like, like depersonifying people who are famous, and especially people who are extremely famous. Something that Taylor Swift is really known for, especially early on in her career, is being really personable with fans. Like, there's a really famous story of her early on having um, a couple guys who were really interested in her, like huge fans of her, and would reach out to her all the time. And they started a Taylor F- Swift fan club, I think, at their high school. Do you remember hearing the story? No. And she heard about it and she, they like had this assembly um, for like the Taylor Swift fan club and she unbeknownst to them like showed up. Wow. And walks on stage and like gives them both hugs. And there's a lot of stories like that about her. Yeah. Just like kind of going out of her way to find fans. I think she's, I mean, every famous person is like also a person, right? But she's somebody who's been on a tour bus since she was like 14. She's somebody who spends tons of time in her own head. She wrote 75 songs in two years. Like she's, I think in in a lot of ways, sort of like a lonely person and a person who's really hungry for connection and trying to figure out how to like mature, even while she has the super, she's experiencing all of this really conventional, I mean, insanely, insanely successful. Yeah. But at the same time is missing out on like normal high school experiences and being really connected to people. And her whole journey and her whole story has kept her sort of disconnected from a lot of people. And I think there's a, there's a hunger there in her, Mm. like wanting to be seen and known and. We need to talk about how she won the MTV Music Award video for the song. 
Oh, for this one. Yeah. In 2009, she wins the Best Female Award for the music video for the song, the music video that you just talked about. You know the story. She wins the award. She oh, gets on stage. This is She's that like, one. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm really surprised. It's her first MTV Music Award. She's like really excited. Um, she mentions that she's a country star. She's like, thank you for giving this award to me, even though I'm a country star. So she's still like really clinging yeah. to those roots. And then the next thing you know, Connie is on the stage and he's like, yo, Taylor, I respect you. I'm really excited for you. But you guys, Beyonce released like one of the best music videos of the year. Um, what was that music video? It was Single Ladies. Beyonce, before you judge, before you judge, Beyonce's Single Ladies is is nominated for, I think, six awards that year, and she wins three. Yeah. She wins Video of the Year for Single Ladies okay. later in the night and gives up her time for Taylor to come and actually give her acceptance speech. Wow. Um, Interesting. She talks about... People don't talk about that, I don't think. She talks about... Yeah, she's a gracious lady. She's pretty badass. Um, she talks about winning her first VMA award um, when she's part of Destin when she was part of Destiny's Child yeah. and like remembering that. And she invites Taylor back on the stage. Um, it's fucking she cool. Also, yeah, she's great. She also uh, Beyonce also wins uh, best choreography and best editing for Single Ladies. So Beyonce's doing fine. Beyonce wins the sure. better award later on in the night. Uh, Kanye gets kicked out, and but Taylor Swift. The feud between her and Kanye goes on to like be media candy for years and years and still is. And it will show up in their songs. It shows up in Reputation. It shows up in some of Kanye's songs for like years. Yeah. And Taylor talks about it as being like a really stressful, um, like causing her a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress because she's still very young. I think at that point she's still 18. It's her, you know, she's on a stage with a lot of really major artists, which she's been famous for a hot minute now, but she's, she's still young and it rattled her pretty intensely. So, like, maybe there's some sort of PR machine that's that's trying to milk some sort of, like, publicity or good stuff out of it on, like, for Taylor and maybe for Kanye. Like, maybe there's some kind of behind-the-scenes behind stuff going on. Sure. But it sounds like, for her personally, she's like, well, this fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, this maniac is coming on stage and, like calling me a bitch like uh, in diss tracks and stuff and well, that's way later yeah and that's it also when he says that he like says i made that bitch famous i made I that bitch famous yep. says, yeah. yeah well who's laughing now <laughs> kanye's <laughs> sounds like he needs help <laughs> yes ultimately yes and i mean to be fair she's already at this point yeah she's won four grammys she's got yeah. like the best-selling country album song of all time country album record of all time maybe actually yeah. i think this record was Shoot. Anyway, she's she's, the she's young, doing fine. This young woman is doing fine for herself, Kanye. <laughs> but and Beyonce, yeah, Beyonce's single ladies is an awesome music video, but it got the recognition that it deserved and won the Superior Award. Yeah, Queen Bee is fine. What is the award that she lost? What what's the title of it? The title. So what Taylor won is the Best Female Award. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So there's a Best Female Award, a Best Male Award, and then a Best Video of the Year, like a, a Video of the Year Award. Okay, so that makes sense. I can see that. Even though Beyonce's video is profoundly female in the content of like the song, but it is clearly the best one. Oh, that yeah. video is incredible. Oh yeah. And the dancing is yeah. What? What? <laughs> I like that little sound. That little sound me effect. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me me, you and everyone. Hey, quick shot I'm just enjoying hanging out with you and talking with yeah, you. You're this great. is a long episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> do you remember the uh, the duo like Pomplamoose? Oh, um, I didn't until you said that. They're YouTube stars, and they like did like pop music covers, but with like uh, ador- adorable uh, deliveries. I don't remember that. I just remember that Pomplamoose apparently means grapefruit, and I've seen it on fizzy drinks. Yeah, <laughs> is actually what I remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah. You, yeah, the drinks. <laughs> yes, yes, soda water, yes. Uh, yeah, like you're thinking of San Pellegrino. Yeah. flavored, yeah. Well, let's talk about that instead. Sure, yeah, it. so it's fuzzy, fizzy, fuzzy, spicy. It's spicy drinks. Yeah, spicy, spicy water, water, as our son would say. Uh, they did Single Ladies. Yes. And they did a great version of Single Ladies, Pomplamoose. Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine wanting to cover that song because Beyonce is just... Beyonce. Right. But I I think they did a fun and engaging video, but Cameron will put a link in the in the show notes, everyone. Mm-hmm. No, I will. You're right, I should. <laughs> but also also, also a link to the soda water in case you have <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'll be right right next to it. Uh has anybody heard about this new uh this new soda water <laughs> the kids are talking about? Um is it, when they get is to, it La Croix or La Crocs? Cameron, what is it? No one knows. I Sorry. believe it's La Croix. Croikies! Um, in the music Oh, hey, vi- Cameron. I- <laughs> in the video, when they when they get to the bridge, yeah. she sings the bridge, but but instead of, of singing the actual words of the bridge, she sings her own lyrics, which are, I don't want, essentially, like, I don't want to sing this bridge the lyrics to this bridge because like this bridge sucks mm. she sings that which i think is really weird it's super weird <laughs> and, I, and i think is really bad optics yeah like rip off someone's song and then be like but this part sucks. yeah because that was also like at the at the tail end of um isn't it uh, of like the uh the novelty of white kind of folky indie artists covering mm. r&b and hip-hop songs and having it be sort of cute yeah. Um, which I don't, I'm not, I don't think that every example of that is bad or detestable. I, sp- I remember there's specifically this one version of uh, Hey Ya, like an acoustic guitar version that I really liked. And I think it's good. Um, and I think is is aware of what it's doing, but also is stands on its own. But, you know, then there's also Ben Folds um, covering, I think, Snoop Dogg and like saying the N word. <laughs> And Chris Thiele coming covering. Oh his yeah, <laughs> that is way after that was no longer popular. Andy fucking shit down by there. Chris Thiele's out here just like, hey, we're two geniuses, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, bud. <laughs> bud, payout, sport. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Um, mm, it's okay. Live, we live can... from here. Just got canceled this last year. No longer is a show, probably because of COVID. Uh. But it's fine with me uh okay so do is there anything else we like gotta talk about we should probably wrap it up yeah i mean maybe good to talk about i would really like to talk about the song about her mom breathe is also the song from colby clay but i didn't like it no that it much, sucks so i don't mind if we i read a review that said it was the best song on the album very well written i was like i can't no, remember a single lyric from the song uh the way i loved you they talk about kissing in the rain again so it's, you know great it's great. Oh, forever and always. We gotta talk about that. Okay. This is, can we say this is the last one? I think we should talk about forever and always, and we should. Uh, but the change also. It's, it's hard for me. 
We can't do we can't do more than one. We gotta do one. Oh no! Uh, These are the these are these are choices that make man great. I think forever and always to the stars. You are not alone in this. (laughs) You're trolling me right now. Do you want to do Mumford and Sons? I like that song. Yes. Uh Oh, I do. I do. Do you want to do that? Um. I think we need to do Forever and Always because I think if we were being true to the album, it is the most important song from the album. However, I really like The Best Day because it's about her mom, who's a really significant figure in her life. And I also really like Change because it's about how Tay-Tay is part of a really small album that she, yeah, wins a major award and she, like, looks over and notices that the guy who founded the album is, like, crying because it's so significant for them and part of the narrative of her like driving success forward i mean it sounds to me like you did just a pretty good synopsis of those two songs there they are quick. there it is yeah. there it is all right forever fevy noise best, the best day i think is a really sweet song i think it is yeah. too and yeah it's good let's listen to forever and always listeners just google taylor swift I really like that melody. Mm, yeah. I think it's really pretty. Yeah, I think it is Is too. this the Joe Jonas? This is Joe Jonas. Joe Jonas. Joe Jonas. Cameron DeWitt, we talked previously about how the song is about how Joe Jonas and Tete broke up. JJ and Tete broke up. How long did they date for? Question for you. No, I've... I want you to guess. I don't know, like a couple weeks. They dated for three months. They dated yeah. from July to October of 2018. Okay. Then she wrote the song about him. Because apparently he called her and broke up with her on the phone in a 27-second call, which she announced on Ellen. Yeah. She talks about that. On, it's the public announcement on Ellen. And he left her for actress Camille Bell. Camille Bell? Camille Bell. Who's that? You know, I haven't seen her in anything, but she's been in some stuff uh, kind of recently. She seems like somebody who's had a relatively successful career since then. She was in a Joe, jo- a Joe Jonas, a Joe Jonas Brothers uh, music video, which is how they met. How Camille Bell fought for the victims of the at- at- Atlanta child something. <laughs> what is go- Atlanta child murders? Holy shit. This is... <laughs> that is not... Okay. This That is not the person. I'm looking at like an old picture of a middle-aged black woman. Yeah, that is... That, I'm assuming that's not, not that Joe Jonas can't date different ages of people or races, but that doesn't seem... This, this is she. Camila Bell. Oh, Camila Bell. You know me in proper nouns. I mean, I don't know this person. Imprecise relationship with each other, yeah. They kind of look... uh, Is it Camila? They really look... It seems like it's Camilla. Do you want me to edit this out? I don't want. I don't want you to. I can't read. Is something our <laughs> listeners should know about me. Um. So he, yeah, he broke up with Taylor Swift for a woman who kind of looks a lot like him. I mean, which I'm not dissing. You know, the heart wants what it wants. <laughs> you know, love yourself. Cause if you like the, the way. way Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Then baby, you Ellis, should Ellis, could you give us some kid snaps, please? <laughs> no? He's been very quiet. I, just I don't know if he's like. ever seen a snap before. You like it? We're not the snappiest family. Yeah, he's... Pretty into it. Yeah? Anything else to say about this song? 
Mm, I just, you know, the the legacy of breakup songs. There's two on this album, White Horse and Forever and Always. Uh, this was a last minute addition to the album, which happened last time too, because uh. they broke up in October of 2008 and this album came out in uh, November of 2008. So she did this last time, too, where she slipped a song on the album and then it was a hit. It happened again with this album, which I think is, yeah, just interesting. Her kind of, like, knack. F- she seems, as an artist, something I've been thinking a lot about because I'm starting a podcast with our child where I make up stories on the spot. And something that is important in that process and in maybe most artistic processes is... Are you trying to poach our uh-huh, hundred yeah. listeners? So our dozens my- <laughs> of listeners? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> if you're into songs written for five-year-olds, which I assume you are because you listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> they, this is a big uh, mistake. This one's going to regret the everything? This is the last episode. This Yoko Ono over here. Something I'm thinking about is getting, re- getting over your own inhibitions and like your ability to just like release content and not overly analyze doing it. People. One's, one's ability. Although, yes, you have talked about this before in creating podcasts as well. Um, and I think it's something that Taylor Swift is really good at. It seems like right from the get-go, she just sort of doesn't self-edit very intensely. She leans on quantity over quality and trusts that in the back half of her process, she'll be able to like filter it out or change it or huh. edit it. And I think it's something that's really special about her. And I also think it's a way that she enables herself to collaborate with other people mm. because she just puts a lot on the table and then she's like, what do you think? Can you do something with this? Can you come in here? And, you know, she's collaborated with, I mean, this is only her second album and she's already pulling in, you know, other artists and um, yeah, it's something she's really good at. So, uh I think that her pull, her putting albums on her, on her, putting songs on her album last minute is another example of that, of her just sort of trusting herself. Like, oh, I wrote this and it's important and it's good and I'm going to trust it and like put it out into the world. And hmm. I admire that about her. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week with the third album. Do you, you don't know what it is, do you? Do you have it up? It's called, oh, Speak Now. Speak mm-hmm. Now. And in the meantime, y'all should support us at, uh, I believe it's support.boxset.website. And if it's not, there will be a link in the show notes, uh, along with everything else that I'm about to mention. Uh, So you can support the show financially. um, But if you can't do that, um, then it would mean a lot if you can share the show with someone. Word of mouth. It's a really great way to get podcasts around. Uh, people like music. People like pop music. People like thinking about it. Uh, and this is a show for them. So tell people about it, please. Speak now, listeners. Speak now <laughs> about us. Be fearless. <laughs> about Taylor Swift. Uh, <laughs> it's a new goal to mention every, every album in my closing notes. We'll see how, I, how it goes. It's going to get hard. <laughs> it's going to get harder. <laughs> Uh, and this is usually the part of the show where Nathan plugs so that I don't have to my other podcast. Do you get want me to do it? Cool. Yeah. Y'all banjos. It's banjos and then there's musics, uh, folk musics, and then talking and interviews. Cameron Duet. How'd I do? Did I do good? Cameron has a podcast called Get Up in the Cool. And it's really great. I like a lot of things about it. One thing that I like about it is anthropologically you get into a lot of really interesting conversations with different people who are all brought together by their love of traditional music which i think is interesting how really diverse people can be touched by the same thing Hmm. 
Check it out, y'all. Get up in that cool. It's a great like counterpoint to this show. I feel like <laughs> this is the... Uh, I mean, there's a little Venn diagram of people who listen to both shows, and those are some of my favorite people. Uh, we're, we're looking at you, listeners. Yeah. But only some of you. You could be. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, next next month in in november i'm planning on having a kind of member drive month and you know if you're just getting into the show you don't have to feel pressure to give money necessarily uh but i always save some like particularly special interviews and jams for that month so you should check that out all right i think that oh and then uh you know stay tuned for some time before this series is uh the season of think outside the box has ended there will be a new podcast called stories for today yeah which is a podcast a storytelling podcast for kids featuring yours truly all right until next week i've been cameron dewitt and i'm gonna go make my own sausage because <laughs> i'm I've, learning links i've been becca dewitt and i gave everything i had to a podcast that changed its mind What's the closing song? Fuzzy Wuzzy. Fuzzy Wuzzy. <laughs> <laughs>